Hey, everybody. Welcome into episode number 86 of the Curtain Call podcast, a production of the Yes Network. He's Yes Network president of production and programming and executive producer, John J. Filippelli. I'm Justin Shackle. Producer Dan Bassone is with us as well. Uh, if you're not already doing so, subscribe to the podcast so you never miss the latest episode here on Curtain Call. Uh, new rules, front and center, as Major League Baseball is underway with its spring training contests. John? First four or five days of spring training action with these new rules being enforced. What's your uh, what's your reaction to watching the games with the new rules? Crisper play. Obviously, the pace is much better than and the length is you can't argue with the length. Uh, everyone who's uh we are everybody who follows the game, loves baseball. There was one criticism is that the games had gotten too long. This will bring back uh, uh, some uh, a lot more sanity and a lot more reality. I, I think it's a good move. I'm glad baseball did it. Uh, it's not perfect. You know, there's going to be things that are just not perfect. But at the end of the day, see, here's the thing to me. If you could get the, the play to be crisper and you could shorten the length of the, the time of the game, and here's the best part of this, the, the, the penalty that you face, this overwhelming penalty that you face if you have committed a violation against any of these rules, you know what it is? It's a ball, a single ball. It is not a base. It is not a run. It's a ball. So the penalty, you know, although no one wants to be assessed the ball, it's not the end of the world. It just isn't. It isn't the end of the world when it comes to baseball. But if everybody's playing really hard because they want to avoid that penalty and the game is crisper and the game is shorter, this is a grand slam, folks. Grand slam. I think some of the concerns that I had before spring training, like the thought of a game ending because of these new rules was was in my head. I'm like, well, we'll probably see that. Yeah, for sure. You now, do, yeah, after less than a week of games and and look, how many games are going to be played across Major League Baseball in one season? Like over 2000 games, right? The chances of it happening are there for sure. Um, but in the in the spirit of what we're talking about, like I would I would think like no, we're not going to see a game end because a batter or a pitcher co- committed a clock violation. I just don't think we will see it. You know, because again, the umpire has the discretion of common sense. He's allowed to make a judgment on a lot of this. So it isn't. Ex- I mean, yes, the clock will be the, is the arbiter, and the clock will, will will drive this. But still, in all the the there's the there's room for the umpire's discretion. You know, if it, did a batter really did a batter step out? Did he not step out? Did he really have a legitimate reason to step out? Did the pitcher leave the the rubber? Did he have a legitimate reason? If he, if if in the if in the mind of the umpire that is true, then the the clock will not hold sway. You know, so uh, all I'm saying is that there's it. It seems like they're melding a common sense approach with 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 one of practicality. You know, it's 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 common sense and practicalness, and and everybody's sort of looking for finding what they need. Which baseball needed to have their games be played crisper, better pace, and they needed the game shorter. Is it going to be perfect? No. This and you're right. There's there's going to come. Something's going to happen. Going to say, I see. You see. I knew this was going to happen. You see. <laughs> And and somebody will be assessed the ball that'll cost somebody a game. Okay, let's just hope it's not the seventh game of the World Series that gets decided like that. I don't think it would be, but let's let's hope that it's not. And because the intent, the intent is right. It's always comes down in life. Everything comes down to int- intent. It's intent, and the intent is absolutely correct. I think the the key word that you have have repeated here is the crisp crispness. That's the number one effect of all of this. Again. 
finding ways to shrink the time of game isn't top of mind for those at Major League Baseball. It's about in- improving the pace of play. This is how it's done. Um, but I am wondering. I mean, we're, we're starting to play games with these rules here. You're having certain players come out and kind of voice suggestions or opinions. If there's a, after a couple of months where the evidence is kind of overwhelming that say, hey, maybe 17 or 18 seconds is better than 15 seconds. Do you think Major League Baseball is going to tweak these rules in season on the fly, or will these just be set in stone for 2023? I think if the I think the the best way to do anything is to be open minded. And if they find out that they don't need the extra seconds, that they would be better off. They could actually move it along even further and nobody and the game is not suffering for it and the players are able to adapt, then they should do it. Uh, look, like I said, crisp crispiness is two things. The word is crispiness. It I is, mean, it is when you're talking about things like, you know, chicken and. Well, there you go. That's where I was yeah. going. See, it just stole my thunder. I was going to go. Two things should be crispy. They should be French fries and it should be the pace of it should be crispy. There you go. So now I say I feel so much better. My cholesterol is low. Not having crispy French fries. <laughs> so there you go. One thing I, I noticed uh, watching Yankee games specifically on the S network. Nice little feature there on. The score bug for for spring training, the final seconds of the pitch clock are featured on the scoreboard next to the pitcher's name. So nice, tight, visible, everything that you probably want. Uh, How was it decided to put the final seconds of the pitch clock in the score bug? I don't like the final seconds on a shot clock in the NBA. It's like, I mean, you don't need to see the whole shot clock if you want to. You could look at it. But I, to me, it's really the, when it becomes a story. And the only way that this really becomes a story is the last couple of seconds. It's like, oh, we're approaching. Is it going to be a ball or not? We're approaching. Here we are. We're in that, we're in the, we're in that very dangerous area, that red zone area. Let, let's, but let's highlight that and let's let people know that that's the area that uh, now it could become, we, we, the empire could in fact wind up calling a, a violation here. So that's why we did that. I mean, just to draw your attention to it. We have a lot of things going on in our bug. I sometimes I think the bug might be a little too, and I've said this on occasion, though I've not been moved to change it. Um, I said sometimes we have it can get a little busy. There's a lot of information in there, and you've got to know kind of where to look. And uh, and so, but you so be that as it may, because there's a lot of information there, your eye should be drawn to something. And the whole idea that that will draw your eye to it is a good thing to do. It's like if you're doing anything like you're doing, if you ever, if you did everything in the same color and you wanted something to stand out, you would change the color of what you wanted to stand out, right? It's the same principle. It just, it just draws your attention to it. That's all. Let's you know that, oh, we're coming up to a violation. Let's see if it happens. The, the scorebook, I don't know if you're aware of this. It is, a, it's a pretty big topic. It's a popular topic, I think, at the beginning of every year for Yankee fans and the overall presentation of games uh, on the Yes Network. And we've seen it change over the course of time, plenty of time. So, like, who comes together to discuss when and if there will be changes to the treasured scorebook each year? Well, there's a world summit every year, you know, which we, we attend. That's what I thought summit you know we and all the world leaders and all the superpowers of the world get together we sit down and we say you know what let's talk about the bug because what in in, in you know in, in incarnation are we going to have world right? peace takes a back seat for the moment the bug needs Poison. to be discussed everything which is unfortunate yeah. it shouldn't but it does but this is about the score bug and this is the most this is the driving force of everyone's life is the score bug so i could see why that could be a, a topic of of a great conversation and concern but no doubt but having said that, um, no, we try. Look, we want to stay germane. 
we want to stay with what we think is important. You know, I mean, uh, it's, a lot of it comes from me, comes from Jared Bosnack, comes from, you know, comes from uh, our, our producers and director, Troy Benjamin, you know, and Dan, Danny, our director, Danny Barr. I mean, everyone has input. You know, it's this is not a... Uh, it's not a dictatorship. You know, we sit down and we talk about things. And, you know, it's a, Joe Torre used to have an expression. It was a great expression. He used to say, best idea wins. Best idea in the room. Sometimes, you know, we, we all have ideas. But, you know, and if there's a tie, I'll break it. You know, I, I'm, that's my power of the, of the position. I can break a tie. And I will. But but hopefully we we talk things out and we're in agreement and then we we try to be, put things on that scorebook and other things that we do that are that are interesting and are germane and are topical and are something we feel, feel the fans can use to benefit the fans. That's the whole point of it. All right, let's take a look at what has has gone down so far with with as it, uh, with the Yankees specifically and their spring training. They're underway with games that have looked pretty good so far. Certain players have stood out. I don't know if the totality of spring training is going to actually solve the infield puzzle, so to speak. We've talked about this in the offseason. Questions at shortstop, questions at third base, some questions at second base. Where does DJ LeMayhew fit into this puzzle? You have left field, uh, an issue of its own, but specifically with the three positions in the infield like are we realistically thinking that a full schedule of spring training games is going to solve that puzzle or is it already solved within the doors of the yankees um you should never be closed-minded you should always be open-minded not just in baseball and everything in life the yankees use spring training it's a petri dish it's a way for players obviously to get prepared but but honestly it's really the way to, to for the pitchers to, to to stretch out their arms really that's really what it is the the position players for the most part for the most part come to camp and they're in pretty decent condition you know they work out year round and you know so they don't really need a lot of time i mean how many at bats do you need if you haven't seen live pitching you know i don't know 50 at bats two weeks maybe? worth Weeks fifty at bats, you know, you play a spring training game before at bats, or they don't play, they don't play the whole game. Say they play two at bats, but then they go hit in the other fields and they face live pitching. There's a ways to to make sure you get your your at bats and your reps, maybe fifty, and they're ready to go. I don't think they need more than that. So it's really not so much about that as it is to see, you know, you 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 bring you invite a lot of players to camp, right? And obviously they're not all going to make the team, but but some will make the team, and some will open eyes up. So when there is a spot that's opening up. You know, they'll get consideration. You know, you you could win yourself a job. You could play yourself into a better position in the organization by having a good spring, or you can have a bad spring and you know, pay yourself into sort of a, a worse situation. So it works both ways. And, you know, I always talk about if you're going to win, you have to get help from unexpected places. And, you know, what better place than spring training to see, you know, again, this spring training, you could take it seriously which you should, but you could take it also that it's spring training. You know, I mean, if I'm Aaron Judge and I went over oh, spring training, do you think the Yankees are not going to, you think he won't be on the team? You know, come on. I mean, of course. I mean, so it isn't so much great players, good players, established players. They don't have to have great springs. They, they do what it takes to get ready. And they know what, what their body's telling them. They know what their regiment is. And, and more importantly, as importantly, the front office knows when they see a player and they know if they're struggling, if they're not struggling, or if they're just trying to get in shape and you don't worry about it. Don't put too much credence in, credence in it. It's only a spring training game. A lot of times you'll play, you match up against the B squad of another team. Is that really a fair set? If the Yankees are playing the B squad, you know, of the, um, of, of the Baltimore Orioles, is that really a, a, a true test to Garrett Cole's ability? You know, as a pitcher to face the, the B lineup, not even their A lineup, their B lineup. Really, I don't think it's a true test of, test at all. But but having said that, 
you know, uh, it's it's about getting in shape. It's about getting ready for the season, both physically and mentally. And it's about looking at like the position the Yankees are at right now. They'll assess by the end of spring trade. They're not going to go to opening day and say, let me see who's playing shortstop today. Hmm, not really sure. Who's playing third base today? Uh, I don't know. It got me on there. Too. Who's in left field? I don't really know. We'll see. I mean, you know, we'll get a Ouija board and we'll just spin the thing. We'll see where it goes. No, they, they're going to have this figured out. And then there may be a trade or two that could be made here. I'm not, I don't know that they will, but I don't know that they won't. You know, um, you know, Donaldson's coming off an interesting year. He played some good defense, but didn't hit the way Donaldson used to hit. Now, does that mean he can't hit? I mean, he certainly has talent. He's certainly Josh Donaldson, but I don't know. I don't know what they'll do. You know, Peraza played really good shortstop. Looks brilliant to me. See the shortstop? I think he, he very well might be. But then what do you do with Icaf? Where, where's he going to play? He's really a third baseman by trade. What about Donaldson? What do you do there? What about what about LeMay? Where's he going? Does he go over to first base? to the spell risk? But that's not going to give enough at bats. Does he play a position every day? First base one day, second base, third base? Do you do that? I guess you could. But, or do you, does he wind up being the second baseman and maybe Torres gets traded? I'm not saying they're going to. I don't know what they'll do, but I do know that that's a possibility. Yankees have all kinds of things going here, and they, they. But I know that they have they have pieces. The pieces are there. There's a lot of pe- Cabrera. Where's Cabrera going to play? Infield, outfield, utility, both places, maybe. Um, they have openings. They have slots. They have pieces. But the puzzle is not quite assembled yet. That when I say the puzzle, the pieces don't exactly fit. A deal might open things up for them a little bit. Hicks going to play the outfield. You know, Hicks is not coming off great year. Hicks, you know, not coming off a couple of great years. But still under contract, still there. Still has some value to them. Can he play? Is he, or is he, is he, is, does he become, you know, your extra outfielder? Is that what he becomes? You know, uh, does that limit what Cabrera can do? Or if you play Cabrera? All of these things, it's it's interconnected. Baseball is a lot of interconnected tissue. And it's a lot of it's a lot of one thing leads to the next leads to the next. It is connected, so we'll see where it goes. But but there's a lot of questions, and there are a lot of possibilities. And not every question is to be looked at in a way where it's like, wow, this is a question I don't have an answer. There are answers. They're just that they're not. Some of them are not obvious, and some of them may take a trade or something to happen that shakes it up. An injury, maybe even an injury, could shake it up. Somebody gets hurt. All of a sudden, you don't see somebody playing a position. Now they're playing it because you got an injury. Well, now you're forced to make a trade that maybe you weren't going to make. Yankees have some flexibility. They have some depth. So, what do you do? Suppose Volpe lights up spring training. What do you do then? Is he not going to make the team? He's scheduled, probably won't make the team right now. He's not on that. He doesn't have to right now. He still has time that they could play him in the, op, in the minors and let him fine-tune and get his skills and things, which I know he's doing. But he'd say he has a great spring. Will that open up eyes? Will that say, okay, we'll send him out. But the first time we were in trouble, we need a bat, or we feel we need to really make a statement and shake things up a little bit, that's where we go. Or does it something we wait till after the trade? Like, all kinds of options here. That's why it's... Oh, it's all it's wide open. That's what's supposed to be. You just effectively took the puzzle and just dumped the box on the floor, and all the pieces are are spread out. So yes. you did a, a terrific job uh, outlining that. Nice, um, Volpe in spe- uh, specifically with him three four games. If you're watching him on TV, a Yankee fan, you you can't help but not feel uh, pretty impressed by what you're seeing. Terrific. Uh, hits like in terms of barrel accuracy he's showing off the the speed like they're he's showing off every tool that we're hearing about and also he's being positioned at different positions other than shortstop 
played at second base back on on Monday against the Tigers. Aaron Boone said he's going to get some looks at third base. So there's going to be some versatility here with with Anthony Volpe. Can he do anything that will convince them to have him start on opening day? You think that's realistic? Suppose just humor me. Suppose the rest of he he maxes out spring training. He goes like runs the table. He hits. He fields. He plays multiple positions, and he's blend. He's showing them things where this is why he was the number one pick and one of the top picks in the entire draft. This is why we we resisted trading him and putting him in a, a potential Juan Soto deal or putting him in a Castillo deal, which I know was I know that was. Possibility and the Yankees turned away. And the Yankees could have Castillo, one of the best pitchers in the game. They, they walked away. They didn't want to trade Volpe. So I get that and I understand that. I mean, so they really think highly of him. And everybody you talk to in the Yankee organization, even people outside the Yankee organization, scouts, people who know the game, general managers, all mention Volpe. They really like Volpe. Everybody likes Volpe. So he's this. I don't know if he's a, he, a lot of prospects you say. Uh, maybe even though they're really prospects, they're still suspects until they're not this guy. I don't think they view him like that at all. He's he's a major leaguer and he's a big time major leaguer. It's a question of when. If he, if he runs the table in spring training and say other guys don't have great springs, you know uh, that could that could force them to change their 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 timetable a little bit. Everything's possible. I mean, I I would if I'm the GM and I'm if I'm Brian and I love what I'm seeing. I said, you know what, this guy is just too good. He's really making a difference in our life, scoring runs. He's creating runs. He's saving runs. He's doing all the things he's supposed to do. Why would I not want him on a team? You know, I, I'd, I'd find a way to get him in. You know, you find a way to, to to put yourself in positions to win. This kid puts you in position to win. You're based on the, the calculative and planned out ways that we've seen the Yankees kind of be in over the recent years, it'd be tough to think of someone who would, would be able to do enough to change their minds. I think for the reasons you just explained – that's the reason why that guy could be Anthony Volpe. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. I think that is slowly but surely going to emerge as one of the bigger questions throughout spring if he's able to keep this level of performance up. I mean, if you if you need reasons to watch spring training games, I know it's not for everybody. Keep an eye on Anthony Volpe. He should be, if not your your top reason, definitely, you know, depending on who is on the mound on a given day, he should be reasons number one or two or three. For this team, we're talking about a premier position, not just in baseball, but with the Yankees franchise history and shortstop Uh, for all the reasons that you talked about, the resistance to trade him, the tools that he possesses, how he could fit with the current makeup of the lineup. That's going to be appointment viewing if you're looking for something to watch for this spring training season. There's always stories in spring training. There's stories like Volpe and then there's stories about other prospects who are now starting to run against the clock. Like Debbie Garcia, Debbie, Debbie Garcia, who was little Pedro, right? And everybody liked him and thought he could be was going to be the next great, you know. It was look out, here he comes. He'll be a staple of the Yankee, you know, rotation for ten years. He's great, going to be awesome. And he, he hasn't found his way, you know. Esteban Florial. I mean, I saw him playing the Arizona Fall League. You know, he looked great in the Arizona Fall League against all the other top prospects in the game at the time. You know, could run like a – still good. I mean, he runs, he plays great defense. He's, he just hasn't been able to hit the way the Yankees thought and hit with the power that, you know, he, that he, they thought he had. And, you know, he's just not to say – he's not just – offensively, he's not the force that they thought he was going to be. And now he's now he's in his mid-20s now, right? So 
all of a sudden he's got to go compete against the clock. And is he going to really turn out to be a major leaguer? I mean, there's, there's a lot of questions there. I'm not saying he can't be, I'm not saying the Debbie, Debbie Garcia is also Debbie can't turn out, can't turn this around, but you know what? They hasn't. I mean, when you would go to the minors and the ERAs in the six, six something, that's that that's not that's you can't even you can't even play minor league ball with an ERA six something forget a major league level, right? So I mean something something is amiss. Is it mechanical? Is it physical? Is it in your head? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes things happen. Something and 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 you, and you hope that the because they, there's a lot of talent there. You know, in, in all cases, you, you can't play the you can't get to that level that they got to even on a minor league level and not have a lot of talent. So the talent is there. It's just a question of what what caused the, the you know the, the train to go sideways? What caused the tracks to move here? Something happened, and you see if you can rekindle that. And there's other stories. There's other players too. The Yankee organization facing the same thing. We'll see. You know these were top prospects, and you know oh I mean, it's, not, it's not unique to the Yankees. I mean every team has got those situations. I'm just saying it's just to me it's particularly fascinating because of how much the Yankees thought of them, and now they're in a position. But I mean, it, but it happens. It happens all the time. You know it happens. You know all all the time. You know, remember what's his name? I'm trying to remember his name now. It's blanking on me now. Um, the the, the, the bees with the uh, the uh, I mean the killer bees. Oh yeah, yeah Andrew Brackman, Betances, and Benuelos. Yeah, many particular Benuelos, ben, right? Benuelos in particular was a big time prospect, big time prospect. Never made it. Didn't make it. Brackman didn't make it. Arm he didn't make it. Betances it was a, made it as a reliever. It was and with and, and you know the middle to end games reliever. It was with some success for sure, but wasn't exactly what what they thought. He thought it'd be a dominant starter and quite make it. But but made it as a reliever. At least you can't say that he didn't. But I mean the uh, the other two just and I know Banuels is still pitching, still knocking around. So, mm-hmm. but not anywhere near the, the the level of which they they thought that happens. It happens in the universe. It's part of the game. There was a. a- Time period long ago where uh, a young Justin Shackle actually broadcasted games for the one team that the Killer Bees were prominently featured on all at once. So uh, I saw the magic there, but it didn't go past uh, double A. We're we're talking about things to to look out for with spring training. How about out on the TV production side for spring training? Like, what are you looking for when you have uh, your, your TV crew, whether it's talent, your production, things that you're trying out maybe for the first time you're experimenting with something new that you might want to feature during the season. I know, you know, Jeff Nelson's calling some games here uh, just as a, as a top example, something that sticks out to, to me hearing him the first few games of this Yankee spring training. I love his candor coming from a, a pitching perspective, but just for some of the new features, things that you look out for and watch closely for from a TV production standpoint during the spring. I have traditionally used it as a Petri dish to try things where I have tried, you know, in some cases because they're spring training games, you know, they're, like, they're not regular season games. You can't, you, there's not, it isn't the same. The, the intensity isn't the same. A lot of times, you know, obviously players just come in and they get, you know, to two at bats so they pitch an inning and they leave and they go work on something else. So, I mean, it's there, it's, it, it serves a very necessary function spring training game. And it's a time of year when, you know, people are starting to itch for baseball and it's, you know, that's cold. He's still too cold to play in the North, right? You can't play the, 
baseball right now and there's snow on the ground as I look out my window and you see that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's spring training is very, very helpful and very useful and very necessary to the game of baseball, no doubt, but it's not the same intensity. So you use it as a, use it as a way to prepare and to look at things and to experiment and to try different things. And I've, I've certainly looked at it like that through the years and tried different announcers and different combinations of announcers, or you know, in some cases just to have a little fun and brought in one time, I brought in some of the ex players who weren't broadcasters, but they were, they were, players of note to have them up in the booth to do you know an inning or a game or two or three or four or whatever try different combinations try different people uh try different experiments with stuff um you know try different looks and graphics and things and, and try different uh you know just get people ready for getting the season let them be together let them talk the game of baseball that is preparation you know when you go into an office and you know you sit down and there's you know 20 30 people that you work with and you know as opposed to being on zoom which is i'm not saying zoom doesn't have a function it does but you know what but as it's you can't compare a zoom function where i'm talking to you uh, right now i'm talking to you on zoom which is fine but when this conversation's over it's over but if we were working together in the same environment, I could sit and say, you know what, you know, let me talk about the show that we just did. Or, you know, I've got an idea for a next one or a next one or a next one. And we could sit down, have a cup of coffee, go another hour, two hours, three hours. If we just had not, we'd had no agenda pragmatically on Zoom, it's hard to do that. But if you're in the same room with somebody, it's going to naturally lend itself to conversation or somebody you don't even think you run into. Hey, how are you? Sit down. Hey, how you been? And then you start talking. I got an idea for something. What's your idea? So it lends itself to be collaborative. It lends itself to be for everybody to contribute. It lends itself to be, to serve a function that goes beyond what, what an ordinary the, the human, human discourse suggests these things are. Okay. It's just good to get people together, to have them talk a game, also to be around the players. If you're down in Florida, we, we had a chance to be in Florida. We, we could be around the players when we're down in Florida, when we're doing stuff down there. It gives you an opportunity to, to spend a little time with them, to talk to them. And, you know, they finish their interview and you finish their feature and you're there. You could talk to them and you get some ideas for the season. They get to see you again. Oh, how are you? Whatever. Well, they don't know you. They get introduced to somebody who, who they, they may play a prominent role in, in the broadcast and, and by extension, you know, important to the players. So there's all kinds of great things that happen because we're in a collaborative environment, whether it's in the offices in Stanford or it's down in Florida together or wherever we find ourselves you know, or just working on baseball together for a game and then the game is over and we'll we'll call each other and critique it or say, how could we do this better? Or how good did we like this? Did we not like this? What works? What doesn't work? What works better than something else? All those options are open to you because uh, you are now talking the game and you are preparing for the season that, that we, we need to prepare for and that we love and it's always close to our hearts. All right. As we approach the finish line here for this most recent episode of the Curtain Call, Anything else you want to touch on before we land the plane? Uh, let's see. We've talked. We've talked about um, spring training. Why spring training is important. We talked about the 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 the, the clocks and then and the rule changes and things. We talked about that. We talked about as it as it pertains to yes. We've talked about. Uh, let's see. I can't really think of anything else. Dan Besson, can you think of anything else? No, I don't think so, Flip. I think you hit everything this this podcast. Anthony Volpe looked very, very impressive when I was down in Tampa for spring training, I have to say. So I enjoyed watching him. I'm excited to see him get called up one of these days. That you know what he's gonna be he's he's you know, I it see the great thing about the great thing about what's going on with Volpe and with Peraza. Big time prospects, both of them, you know, that you could rate them 
you know, uh, one and two, two and one, whatever, you know, and, you know, and there's one or two others you can throw in there too. Yankee top prospects have really been performing quite well, which has got to make, bring, bring, you know, make the Yankees feel really good about their prospects and their farm system. So right now that's all clicking. And if some player doesn't make it or somebody plays a position better than somebody else, it doesn't mean that like if, if Anthony Volpe is outplayed at shortstop by Peraza right now, Peraza is just a little end in development, right? And they, for some reason, really loved him and said, you know, could, could we make him into a third baseman? Of course you can. That's the whole point of having guys play multiple positions. Boone has said as much. I'm going to I'm gonna try people at different positions. And the Yankees are doing that. But not because I'm looking to move somebody out of a gig, but because it just gives me great flexibility. Or somebody gets hurt, all of a sudden, you know, you've got a third base issue. We got Maybe too many people can play third. You get two injuries. All of a sudden, now you got nobody playing. Who's playing third now? What are you going to do? you got to trade your farm system, go get a third baseman? Or do you say, you know what? How about Anthony Buckley? You want to play third base? I think you could do it. Try it. See what happens. Let's see if you can do it. Yep. He goes there and plays great. I mean, Alex Rodriguez was a great shortstop. They move over to play third. Was he a great third baseman? He was a pretty good third baseman. He really was. If you could play short, you could probably play third. That's usually what happens, right? He, all the time, guys get moved over. You know, Cal Ripken got moved over from short when he couldn't quite, you know, have the range anymore to play short. They put him at third. He did a pretty decent job at third. Guys can play third or play short. It's, it's. I'm not saying it's universal, but I'm saying it's pretty universal. So you could do that, or you could, you know, take a good third, put him at second. It's a matter of throwing. It's a matter of distance on throws. There are nuances to positions, of course, but but talent is talent. And if the Yankees feel that they're offensively are going to, not going to be hurt defensively, and their offense is going to be a benefit from having these bats in the line, they'll do it. You know, so it's going to. That's why this is important because it opens up your eyes and you see puts people in positions and lets you see what they could do in different in different environments under different tests and and, and different set of circumstances. It's very important to do. Look, it's often said the best uh, ability is availability. The second best ability might be flexibility. So uh, now is the time to try to experiment with that, with that versatility, moving around young position players into different positions, see what sticks. You may have something, and that something could lead to uh, multiple options when you need them the most during the regular season when it, when it counts. So, uh, man, hey, nothing nothing really to land the plane with. Not not too bad, John. Uh, the, the landing strip is clear. And uh, wheels are down, and uh, off we go. We've we've reached our destination. Been another fun episode with you. That's right. Fasten your seatbelt. Please stress stow all tray tables. Put your laptop things underway. You know, make sure you're in airplane mode. Yep, got it. Where you go? I don't believe in airplane mode, but don't tell the airlines that. All right, sweet, uh, John. This has been fun. We will do it again very soon here. Uh, thank you all again for uh, listening to it on another episode of Curtain Call. Please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. It's the best way you can keep up with everything that we have going on here on Curtain Call. Send your questions in because we should do it, and we will do it. We'll, we'll, we'll take questions from our from our fan base. We have a nice little fan base out there, so thank you for supporting us. But we will take questions. Send them. How do we get questions, Danny? How would they? Uh, how do they get questions to us? They can uh, they can uh, tweet us. They can tweet at us. We're going to send out the uh, the episode this week. They could uh, message us by uh, you know direct messaging us on Twitter, and uh, that's probably the best the best way. Maybe they could send questions to uh, Justin and uh, Flip's uh, Twitter as well if they have anything. So I think those are the three best options. And what's their handles? What's Justin? What's your handle? It's my first and last name straight through at Justin Shackle. Last name S H A C K I L. Justin as in uh, Timberlake. Mine is Mickey Mantle at no, that's not true. It's not Mickey Mantle. At, I don't even know. Mine is what at at uh, 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 flip one two three. Is that mine? Could be. 
<laughs> it is now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I, I believe I follow you. It's, I don't know. Uh, it's J Flip one two three. Oh, that's it. J C C. Thank you, Dan. That's uh, the one. You know what? I do follow that one. Okay, perfect. At J Flip one two three. All right. Like Twitter handle. So if you want, a lot of thought went into that one, huh? Yeah, I mean, a lot of originality. You got it right. So <laughs> I did. I stay up at night. Say, what do we do? My Twitter handle. Oh, Twitter. I know what that is. I think I know what that is. All right. Very nice. Thank you to our awesome producer, Dan Bassone. For John J. Filippelli, this is Justin Shackle. We will talk to you next time on the Curtain Call Podcast, a production of the S Network.